0: say that to you again do not think that you can do outward stuff and your inward character is not going to catch up with you you got to understand that inward character going to catch up with you sooner or later we must be careful not to be like the pharisees when it comes to not being mature and understanding that god's word will deliver protect
1: and prosper us in anyone who will believe You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. When I think about being invited
0: to eat at someone's house, I think of fellowship. Fellowship can be defined as a time to bring together a group of like-minded believers or people for a particular purpose. We may come together to eat, pray, study, and participate in various activities. If we're going to mature in our fellowships and unite as one, I believe that it's beneficial to us to gain insight as well as understanding about fellowships from a biblical perspective, unless we just get together just to get together. I believe that fellowships from a Christ-minded perspective will help unite us with Jesus and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And those immature or childish folks may be challenged to fellowship. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible reads as follows. God is faithful by whom you will call into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we see here that God is faithful. He is someone who can be relied on and you can place confidence in God. God will not fail you. He's not a God that fails people. He is a God you can place confidence in by whom you were called or uh, summoned or called by name into the fellowship or the communion and association of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, we see in this text that God is faithful, someone that we can place our confidence in. And so we can trust him regardless of whatever situation or whatever circumstance that we're coming across because he loves us so much that he called us into our fellowship or communion or association with him and if god calls you into communion or association or fellowship with him he's not going to stand you up he is going to be there he when he says, i'm going to fellowship with you he is going to fellowship with you Now, we serve a God that loves us enough to call us into fellowship with himself. We can be confident he wants us to be in fellowship with him as well as other like-minded believers. Believers who love truth. Believers who strive to walk by faith and not by sight. Believers who strive to walk in the truth of God's word. Not perfect believers, but those that desire a perfect relationship with a perfect God in love and peace as well as unity. Therefore, we say that fellowship is important, not because I said so, but because the word says so. And when we see hatred, animosity, anger, and chaos uh, trying to rise its head up, when fellowship with Christ and others become even more essential as a means of being strengthened and encouraged. That's why the Holy Spirit knows that godly fellowship will drive out chaos, it'll drive out confusion, it'll drive out disunity and such like. See, the enemy and carnal-minded and immature people will find ways to hinder and create obstacles when it comes to fellowshipping. And see, fellowship will drive out bitterness, envy, anger, as well as resentment. And it it will shut down division and dissension, which is why the enemy fights it and God's word promotes it. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Let's show you how it promotes it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. The Bible reads as follows. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in, him, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John chapter one, verse five through seven. This is the message that we have heard. Remember now, we've heard this. We understand it and we comprehend it and it comes from him and we declare it to you that God is light. He is when I say light he is truth he is knowledge and he is purity and in him is no darkness at all there's no obscurity there's no ignorance of divine will when i say there's no darkness in god see god is light wherever he goes light is going to be there see the thing is we can go in a room and see he we can go in a room and turn the lights off in some situation. You can go and unplug something and turn the lights off. When it comes to God, you can't turn him off. You He doesn't run out of battery power. God is on all the time. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, God is on. And then it says in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship, communion as well as association and pay close attention with him, and we walk and... In darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, when you walk, when you when I say walk, that's how you conduct your life. That's how you think. That's how you talk. That's how you act. If you say you're walking in darkness and do not, you will not or have not. You're not practicing the truth. But in verse seven, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. We have communion. We have A close connection with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, it cleanses us, it purifies us, it makes us clean, and it consecrates uh, consecrates us from all sin. See, we should be able to tell when darkness, deception, and obscurity is trying to creep in or linger around us and within us. Because why? We, try, we start practicing sin. And we try to do it in secret. And one thing about sin, sin likes to do its deeds in the dark. mm mm Obscurity means to be mysterious, unknown, and secretive. We begin to have faults of being secretive or concealing our intentions and motive when it comes to practicing sin. You know darkness is somewhere in the midst. It's crept in. You're trying to sneak and hide and do what you do. But God is a God of light. When it comes to divine thing, he's not one who dwells in darkness. He can't because he's light wherever he goes light gonna be there light just gonna illuminate from god god wherever god goes light is going to be there we read in first john let me read this to you again first john chapter one verse five through five and six This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and him is no darkness uh, at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And verse 7 reads as follows. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from from all sin. We have to know truth and make the choice to operate in truth if we're going to unite and grow in the things of God. More importantly, if we're going to create an atmosphere that God can trust his harvest with, we should operate in light just as God is light. Remember, there's no darkness in him at all. Wherever God goes, he is bringing light or he is illuminating things for our life. We go in situations and circumstances, God is illuminating things for us. That's what, therefore, fellowship with God and fellowship with each other should help us to connect and get to know him as well as others. Why? Because when we're together, illumination's taking place. When I get, when I'm with you, or I'm sitting down talking with you, illumination should take place. Things should be opening up. I should get to know you in a way that I did not know you before. I, I get to know, learn things about you, and you get to learn things about me. Therefore, light is bringing out illumination. And so, but then again, there's sometimes you be in situations where, you know, you find out that people sometimes don't want to fellowship with you. What are they trying to hide? What are they trying to hide? What are they trying to hide? In my opinion, the goal of fellowship is to help establish, start, as well as begin, and build and form and strengthen relationships. See, relationships require work, especially healthy and productive relationships. At times, we may not be as comfortable talking to others in what I would call small talk. See, small talk is that light or casual conversation generally about less important issues such as the weather, current events, sports, cooking, home projects, our children's activities, and so forth. See, small talk can be challenging because we uh, we are unsure of what the other person will say or how they will react. Are, are we asking too many questions? I remember one time I was having, I thought I was having a small talk with somebody and they said, why are you, why you so nosy? Why are you so busy, buddy? And so that was my learning lesson. You know, I was just trying to be To I, I wasn't a, adept at putting, uh, excuse me, at using small talk. See, small talk can be risky, but it's necessary if we're going to be and commit to establishing and building a bond with others. Remember, it's small talk. I believe that, that we must ask the Holy Spirit to constantly teach us how to master small talk so we create an atmosphere that will allow us to move from small talk to big talk. See, it takes wisdom to perfect our skill at a small, on small talk, especially when it comes to soul winning. Let's go to the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. If I'm going to lead and influence and bring souls to Christ, I have to be wise. I have to be wise. Therefore, Proverbs 11:30 and 30 reads as follows The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Again, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins, he who leads, or brings souls is wise. They're skillful, they'll learn in the subtle. One thing I've learned, it's going to take time to get to this level, what Proverbs 11 and 30 is talking about. Because you can get comfortable in doing it one way and think it's going to work on every way. But God is always teaching us how to talk to other people. Always teaching, because everybody is a little bit different and you have to learn how to talk to people and some people you're going to talk to them one way and another person you're going to talk to them a different way but what you're winning that soul to Christ I need to learn the skill of small talk so I can earn the right to to a deeper conversation See, I've been guilty of talking uh talking deep life-changing conversation and I was not sensitive to that particular person I had a message and I was going to share that message, but it wasn't the right time. Yet I've learned, and I'm still learning, I can use small talk to build trust for big talk. Now as relationships grow and we establish trust boundaries in a safe place, we can get into what we call big talk. Big talk is when we get into a heavier conversations that are important, They help us to know each other better. Big Talk will help us bring us to a place of sharing deeper information with other individuals. We begin to reveal our past or situation that we're dealing with, and then Big Talk will open the doorway for conviction and repentance. Conviction says, I'm filling an inward tub to change my life for the better. And that's when you know you start getting into that big talk. And see, repentance says, I realize that my way is not his way, and I'm going to make a change to do things according to the written and revealed word of God. And my prayer is that we never stop experiencing conviction and repentance because both will allow us to become more Christ-minded. And the level of change comes with big talk. See, big talk takes time, it takes diligence, it's careful and persistent work and investment. Acts to show that I care. They won't, there's a saying that goes around, they don't care how much you know until they care how much know how much you care. They won't know how much you, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And see, fellowship can act as a springboard to engage in life changing relationships. We have to seek God on how we can promote fellowships with Him and with our brothers and sisters in Christ so to remain in His light and drive our darkness. Again, let me say this to you. I want you to understand this clearly. You can't treat everybody the same way. When you at a certain place, you got to talk and make sure you're communicating. Just like you at other place, you may talk and communicate a certain way. We must become fellowship-minded and understand the biblical purpose for fellowship. See, fellowships create the atmosphere of oneness with Jesus and other like-minded believers. How can we make other Christians experience? In church and beyond church, more pleasant so that I can freely receive the written and revealed word of God. In other words, what can I do to help somebody else? And when I'm mature, I'm not looking for somebody to help me because I'm mature. I come into the house of God, I know God welcomes me. I don't try to listen, I don't need no welcome back to say, Hey, I'm welcome to God's house because I know who I, I know who I serve. I, I'm like David. I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. Of the Lord. Today's text Jesus is invited to eat at the house of a Pharisee. Let's go back to Luke chapter 7, and we're gonna pick up at verse 36. Luke chapter 7, we're gonna pick up at verse 36. The Bible reads as follows Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, the Pharisees were or are religious leaders. Some were actually enemies of Jesus. They asked him to eat, and they went down to the house to eat. Me and the Pharisees had a reputation of being enemies of Jesus. I don't know about you, but what would happen if we went to eat at our enemy's house? Let me let that sink in just for a moment. What would we do if we went and ate at our enemy's house? I know some of y'all right now, I tell you what, I ain't drinking nothing in here, and I ain't eating nothing in here, because this is my enemy. They're going to say, hey, this, this, I just fixed this right here, I just came right out of the stove. You're like, that's all right. <laughs> some of y'all probably bring your own lunch pail with you when you're over there, your own drink and everything. Because what? It's your what? Enemy. But Jesus went. So I find it interesting, first of all, they did win because not many enemies have invited me over to the house to eat. At least I didn't think there was an enemy when they invited me over because I might have been hesitant to go. Now, that's just me. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the all-knowing one. I don't, I don't, I don't even claim nothing like that, but Jesus went over to the house to eat. Now. The Pharisee, now he went over to the Pharisee's house. Now the Pharisees, they looked for praise by outward observance and were public givers, prayers, and fasting. When they prayed, they wanted everybody here. When they fasted, they told everybody. You know how the Bible says, keep your fasting secret? Not, not the Pharisee. They told everybody they were fasting. Hey, what you doing? I'm fasting, y'all. I'm fasting. They knew what to do in front of an audience to receive the praise of men regardless if it was genuine or not. We understand the character of the Pharisees better about what Matthew penned in Matthew 23, verse 26. Matthew 23, verse 26. Let's go there real quickly. Blind Pharisee. First, cleanse. The inside of the cup, that the outside of them may be clean also. So, notice what Jesus says. You're blind. You mentally cannot comprehend. First, cleanse or purify or consecrate the inside of the cup. Now, remember, earlier we talked about that they like to do outward appearance things. So, he said, cleanse the inside of the cup, cleanse it before you start, and then you can deal with the outside. We have to be careful not to get so busy on quoting scriptures and not having the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach us how to rightly divide the scripture. Lest we get caught up on outward works, not allowing the Holy Spirit to work on us as well as those around us. And we might actually begin to think and believe like the Pharisees that we can cleanse and purify ourselves by outward works and not the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of like just like Jesus describes. In other words, you can't be in a situation where you think that you're doing all this outward stuff and your inward character ain't going to catch up with you. Let me say that to you again. Do not think that you can do outward stuff and your inward character is not going to catch up with you. You got to understand, that inward character is going to catch up with you sooner or later. We must be careful not to be like the Pharisees when it comes to... Not being mature in an understanding that God's word will deliver, protect, and prosper us in anyone who will believe. Je- Jesus also warns about the Pharisees and the ways of the Pharisees. Go to Ma- if you don't mind, go to Matthew 16 and verse 6. Matthew 16 and verse 6. The Bible reads as follows. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Notice, then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware. Beware. Give heed, pay attention uh, of the leaven, uh, leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When I'm talking about the leaven, the leaven is the habit of mental and moral corruption that affects others. In other words, they had... Mental, they had moral habits that corrupted other people. Jesus told them, take heed and give tea to the leaven of the Pharisees. He wanted the people to watch out for the habits and, ment- and, the, excuse me, and the mentality of the Pharisees. In other words, they had some ungodly habits and a mindset that was not Christ-minded. He said, watch out for that. Thinking, talking, and acts that violate the word of God were common amongst the Pharisees, yet they were religious leaders. We gotta be Christ-minded and not Pharisee-minded. Regardless of his intentions, the Pharisees invited Jesus home to eat with him. Now, this is interesting. He told us to beware, but yet he gone. Hmm. Let that drop for a moment. You know God got a bigger plan per- planned on it. Bigger plan than somebody that don't like him. I'm glad that just because, folks, listen, people can like you, don't like you. It don't stop the plan of God. Let's let us be plain. People can like you or don't like you. It don't stop the plan of God. Only thing stop stops the plan of God is you bowing down to what people are saying about you. You got to leave that stuff alone. You ain't going to please everybody. I'm, Lord, Let me get back to the text. Let me get back. Let me get back. So, step one to fellowship is this invite Jesus. Invite Jesus. Invite Jesus. I know you got your cousin, you got your friends, you got these co workers, you got all these people, but first person you need to invite is Jesus. You need to invite Jesus. Luke 7 and 37. Now, when they invited Jesus, there was somebody else there. Or oh, they came, I should say a little bit later. Or somewhere in there, because Luke 7:37 reads as follows: "And behold, a woman in the city." Now, those are the terminology that, that Luke uses. Who was a sinner? Who was a sinner? When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. So Jesus, excuse me, is eating, or he's at the place, and the Bible says a sinner. Came because she heard Jesus was there. But I like the terminology they use. You know something happened, don't you, y'all? Because they use terminology, was a sinner. (laughs) Woo, glory be to God. I like that because, you know, I I can't say nothing because I was a sinner. I was a... I was a... I was a... I was that too. But I was. I was a sinner. I was a person who practiced violating the law of God. I was one who missed the mark. I was one who would be deemed wicked in God's eye. Before I got Jesus in my life, I was a sinner. A sinner is a person who is separated from God in this life And will be in eternal life if they don't repent and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, sinner is a position. It ain't the ending place. Oh, good God. Almighty! This ain't the ending place. If you a sinner, that ain't your ending place. Yet, once a sinner hears that Jesus is in a place or coming to a place, they can come and be in the midst of the fall. See, sinners should have no problem coming here because Jesus is here. Let me let that drop for a moment. He, listen, sinners should have no problem coming here because they need to be delivered, protected, and healed and, and prospered just like we did. Thank God for Jesus. I'm glad Jesus, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad Jesus allowed the woman to come. Because something about to happen, y'all. Something is about to happen. Now, let me say this, and I want you to understand this clearly. It did not matter what sin she committed, but the fact is she was about to have a life-changing fellowship. I'm glad the Bob didn't go down and try to listen. Well, she did this, and she did this, and she did that, and she did this, and she did that. No, he just said she was a sinner. I'm glad they don't listen. our sin saying out there, don't they when, they, when we go? I'm glad we don't go out there. You know, you know Dobbs used, mm, used to, and used to. He'd be like, no, nah, I didn't. Well, I did too. I guess I, I'm glad God loved me enough to help me. Y'all y'all follow me here? One interesting trait of this woman is that she, when she realized that Jesus would be at the dinner party, a.k.a. fellowship, she came to the table with an offering. Mm-mm. Lord, she, she came with an offering, but this, the one who invited him, well, I'm gonna, we'll deal with him in a moment. Many times we get caught up in what is the sin of the sinner. We need to focus on the saving power of the Savior. Listen, folks, let me tell you something. Let me real with you. Look, look how good everybody look around y'all. These folks sin. They needed Jesus to save I, 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 listen, you look up here. You ain't got to look far. You look right up here. This person sin and need Jesus every day. Every day, every day, every day, every day. Let's go to Luke 7, 38. And notice when she, when she got there. The Bible says this, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them down with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. When she came, she was ready. She was ready, and she began to minister to Jesus. Notice what she did. She began weeping. Then she washed his feet with her tears, and wiped them down with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. She came to Jesus with purpose. She stood ready to minister to him. Lord, help us not to allow sinners to beat us being ready to minister to Jesus. She came ready. Now I got I had to, I'm looking at this text and I'm saying, who told her to do it like Something was in her that came to minister to Jesus. Uh, listen, there was no form or no, I don't read anywhere where somebody said, you need to do this, that, and the other to minister to Jesus. She came to minister to Jesus. She was broken when she came. She said, I got to get to him. And listen, and I thought she might be saying, Jesus do something for me. But no, she did something for Jesus. How many people come in the house waiting for Jesus to do something for them, but they're not doing anything for Jesus? Is that the reason why you ain't getting your breakthrough? Is that the reason you're not getting your healing? Is that the reason you're not getting your deliverance? Is that the reason? Because you're looking for something instead of giving something. Mm -hmm. This woman made biblical history at the time she was a sinner. Not everyone will appreciate our affection, commitment for Jesus and the things of God to include his church, his people and his shepherd. Could it be they may not appreciate because it shows up their lack of commitment, affection and eagerness to please him. But notice the Pharisee minded person in verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. Notice what he said to himself. This this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what matter a woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Notice he said to himself, though. Notice how he said to himself. Notice him. Oh, do he know he? Do he know who touching him? Do he? Ooh, ooh, ooh! I wouldn't let her touch me like that. Hmm. <laughs> Do he know who's touching him? Do he know what matter woman this is who's touching him? You know where she been? You know what she what she done? Does he perceive who touched him? Does he have knowledge of who and what matter woman this is who touching him? Let me say this to you. When you're hosting a fellowship, don't insult Jesus or his guest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We all know, let me say this to you, that Jesus is all knowing. The Pharisee attempted to question Jesus' credibility. This man, if he were a prophet, this man, if he was a true pastor, would do it like this. This woman, if she was a genuine singer minister, would do it like that. This brother, if he was a caring auxiliary leader, would do it like this. See, immature people have an opinion on how you should do stuff. Notice I said, immature people have an opinion on how you should do stuff. The Pharisee invited Jesus over to eat, but he did not have a Christ-minded attitude when it came to sinners. Again, Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus Jesus knew exactly who was touching him, just like he knows exactly who's praying to him. He knows exactly who's worshiping him. He knows exactly who's witnessing about him and so forth. In here today, he knows exactly who's praying. He knows exactly who's worshiping. Can I be real with y'all? He knows exactly who's listening right now. And he knows exactly who needs to pay attention to what's being said. But notice verse 40, though, because that 40, well, let's look at 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So we said, teacher, say it. Now I want you to notice this. Simon, the Pharisee, said within himself, but Jesus answered. Now I want you to notice something about this. He said within himself, but Jesus answered. When Jesus answered, he gave a response to a question. Now, let me say this to you. Each Sunday, when we come to the house of God, you got them secret things you be asking God, but he answer you openly. That's exactly what he's doing right here. We have things we ask God about. God, I need you to answer my question through Pastor Dobbs on Sunday. I can't tell nobody what I'm with because I, I need for you to. I, I only need to tell Pastor Dobbs. I don't need to tell nobody. But God be answering you, don't he? He be answering. That's the same thing. This man said it him himself, and God answered. Each Wednesday night, God answer us. See, sometimes we miss our answer because we miss what God is saying. Hallelujah. Notice, but I don't want you to notice the latter part of this. Because notice the, excuse me, notice Jesus' attitude towards Simon. Simon, I got something to say to you. Mm-hmm. But no sign response. So he said, teacher, say it. <laughs> Woo. Woo. can you see it? Notice that attitude right there. I got something to say to you Simon. Okay, well, hey, hey teacher, say it then. You know, that, that's kind of why I read that. Okay, well, hey, oh Lord, look at him. Wanna, wanna uh, approach the master like that. You know how it is, sometimes we won't get the answer that we think we ought to get. We, that's why we have to constantly adjust our attitude about people in the church and out of the church lest we find ourselves in Simon's seat at the table. Jesus would teach us how to love people from all backgrounds, socioeconomic status, le- levels of education, and such like. And then he goes on in 741. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denaro and the other 50. A creditor is a moneylender, and he had two debtors. These these folks were indebted. In 742, and when they had nothing with with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. He pardoned them. He did them a favor. He said, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more, which would welcome and be fond of him more? See, Jesus has a way of using questions to disrupt our thinking in a way that promotes change in our thinking. See, he takes the topic off the woman asks the question to get us to reflect on our own thinking, our own opinions, and our own judgments. See, he will ask questions that are related to the topic but may appear not related. Notice how he's making small talk and big talk all at the same time. Only God can do something like that. Notice he went from big talk. Hey, say it. Okay, all right. There were two debtors. <laughs> 10500, 1050. 10, the man forgave them both. Notice how he broke it down to him. Broke it down to him. And now he's, he's like, hey, okay, all right, all right. Okay, I got you. I got you. Small talk. Then he went. Notice he's only making small talk. Now he's going to break him down and make a big talk with him. Okay. Notice what he says here. In verse 43, Simon answered said, I suppose the one who, who forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. You have rightly judged. You did it correctly. I in other words, he had the same judgment the Lord would have had. The one, the one who had more to forgive will love me more, is what Jesus was saying. We, we will see it in their love for Jesus and their love for others. It will show in their humility and submissive nature how they minister to Jesus as the woman did. Their love will be evident in what they do for Christ, their diligence, their focus, and their commitment. And at times, we need others to be personal and direct with us so that we can change our thinking, talking, and actions, Just like Jesus did to this particular to Simon. Just like Simon did... We've got to think about how we're thinking about people. See, immature folks get upset when you speak to them at this level, though. And it said, teacher saying, like, hold on, you talk to me like that. You invited me into your house, who Jesus was saying. You know, this woman did all of this stuff right here. Well, let me go. I don't want to get ahead of myself. 744, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. Notice, he looked at the woman, but he said it to Simon. Watch Jesus, he's so smooth what he's doing now. Notice, he went from small talk, now he he's get into big talk to Simon now. Simon, do you see this woman? Hey, you discern, you know this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. I came in your house and really what he's saying is you showed me no hospitality. You didn't even welcome me into the house. Well, what would it be like when people come to church and we don't welcome in the church? You mature, you say, hey, well, they they ought to feel welcome. They're in the house of God. Well, some people may. Well, some people may come in now, they may need somebody to say, hey. In fact, do me a favor. Don't, don't touch them. they look at somebody and say, welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. Jesus had called out Simon's lack of hospitality, warmth, and inviting mindset and action. This shows us that we must show hospitality when others come into the house of God. And as mature Christians, we must be intentional and deliberate in showing hospitality to others at church and before they get to church. Jesus continued. See, this kind of teaching will affect our fellowship and help us to mature as believers who are seeking to win souls to Christ. Notice it goes on to tell Simon, hey, you gave me no kiss. You showed me no affection. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Notice what Simon looking at this woman, but then uh, Jesus looking at Simon. I came in your house. You ain't did nothing for me. I wanted to even fix him a plate. Notice how he responded to him. I came in your house, man. I, I, look, at. I came in here and you just, this woman that came and ministered to me. Ain't talking about who touched me. I got something for you, Simon. Mm-hmm. Jesus makes a plan of how we can avoid having a Pharisee mindset. We must never forget where we came from. Some people get in church, they almost forget like they used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you look good and you got your hair done and you got your nail done and all that kind of stuff. But you ain't always had that nice haircut like you got right now. You ain't always. Hey, there have been some days you've been in the gutter. Look, I thank y'all for 4A, man. The rest of y'all to pray for the rest of us. There been some days I was at. Mm, 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 mm. There might have be been some days you might have saw. I'm glad they didn't have cameras back then. I ain't going to lie to you. People bringing up pictures about, you remember when Doll used to be at? I'm like, nah, they photoshopped it. i was <laughs> like, nah, that really wasn't me. That was me over there in the corner doing. Can't forget where you came from. And see, mature people have a greater understanding of where they came from. Boy, I'm glad God didn't didn't let me die in my sins. I'm glad God did not allow me to do this, that, get that, and the other. That time I got and did this, that, I'm glad God didn't do that for me. The more you get with Jesus, the more grateful you are. It's amazing to me how you can go, people can go all these years and act like they made it on something they call, quote, unquote, luck. They made it because of their decision-making skills. They made it because, you know, they're a good person and all that kind of stuff. Now, that won't get you there, baby. You're going to need Jesus to help you along the way. You're going to need Jesus to make a way out of no way. You're going to need Jesus to protect you from yourself sometimes. You're going to need Jesus to help you coming along the way. You're going to need Jesus. I'm telling you, them days you get weak, you're going to need Jesus. Them days you're gonna feel like leaving or telling somebody off or doing this, that, and the other, you're gonna need Jesus to help you along the way. You're gonna need Jesus to help. Don't you forget where you came from now. Cause I know you're saved, but you ain't that saved yet. We all are on our way to heaven, y'all. We ain't quite made it in, so we gotta keep on going. Tell you neighbor know, we gotta keep on going. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep on going. Keep on going. So he said to her, verse Seven forty-seven. I say to you, her sins, which are many, she had a large number. She, she had a whole bunch of, all forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom lotus forgiven, the same loves little. Oh my goodness! Jesus' purpose was greater than Simon's perspective. He was after a changed heart in the woman, and hopefully Simon. Notice how he said in verse forty-eight. Then he said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." going away forgiveness is powerful y'all we have to receive it and extend it to others let me say that again we have to receive forgiveness and extend it to others don't let nobody hold you in forgiveness forgiveness changed the entire atmosphere within us as well as those around us it goes on in Luke seven and forty nine And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is this sitting at the table, fellowshipping and learning from Jesus? Woo. The verse 50 shows us the change. Then he said to the woman, notice what he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Woo. Glory be to God. This woman was a sinner. Notice, I say was a sinner. Everybody say was a sinner. But notice now, her faith has saved her. Her trust in Jesus has saved her. Her confidence in Jesus has saved her. Listen, her belief in Jesus has delivered her. Her her faith in Jesus has kept her safe and sound. Her faith in Jesus has prospered her. Listen, our faith in Jesus can do the same thing for us today. Our faith in Jesus can deliver you. Our faith in Jesus can, but listen, prosper us. Our faith in Jesus can heal us. Our faith in Jesus can save us. If you're not saved, you can have faith in Jesus and you can be saved today. What must I do to be saved? Oh, thank God that Jesus got power to save us today. Oh, thank you for saving us, God. Thank you, God. Listen, I was like the woman. I was a sinner, but he saved me. Let me say this to you. If Jesus can save this sinner, if Jesus can save me, Jesus can save you too. Listen, there's nothing you can't do that God can't save you from. There's some people in this room who can testify, I was a sinner. I like the way they start out the text. I'll, listen, this was a sinner. Now I'm giving you her testimony of how she went from being a sinner to being saved. And let me say this to you. We can learn from this woman. We don't even know her name. We didn't know she was a woman. And see, you can assume that she done certain sins, but that may not be the case. You have to know that all you need to know is she was a sinner. And you need to know that God saved her by the time she got to this first realm. Hooray! My God, my God, I thank God that she is saved. Woo! She is delivered. She's protected. And now she can, oh, watch this. She can get ready to prosper, y'all. Oh, she can get ready to prosper. How you know, Pastor Dawes, because notice what he said to her, these next three words. These next three words, y'all. These next three words. Now, let me say this before I read these next three words to you. When I first read it, I kind of read it like, oh. you know, you read something and just kind of just blow over it like it ain't nothing. And the Lord kept bringing me back to it. Oh, it's bigger than these three. Oh, it's bigger than what your mind does. You see what I've done to have woman, my life. I said, what do you mean, God? Look what I've done for this woman. Look what I've done for her. I saved her. Then I told her to go in peace. I told her to go in peace. I told her to have go, but go in tranquility. Now, let me tell you what go means. One definition I like about go. It means live a certain lifestyle. In other words, you know, remember uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7? For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what we're talking about right there. How you live your lifestyle. Where well, he says go, I want you to live this lifestyle. I want you to have a lifestyle of peace. Oh, God, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for a lifestyle of peace. I thank you for a lifestyle of peace. I thank you for a lifestyle of calmness. I thank you for a lifestyle of security. I thank you for a lifestyle of prosperity. I, I think that you order one's life in peace. Notice what the Bible says My steps are ordered by the Lord. Are oh, they ordered by the Lord? Listen. I can't sing it like my sister singing, but one thing I know, is in the Bible. And God will order our steps if you allow him to. If you allow him to order your steps, he will do it. See, we can, listen, you can go to a dinner with Jesus and leave saved and walking in peace. Whew. How many of us, amen, have been saved? Now we are walking in peace today. Woo, we're in tranquility today. We got safety. We got security. We're just like what Jesus said. He said, go in peace. We're we coming to the sanctuary as a person separated from God. People not seeing our heart. But as long as Jesus, Jesus sees our heart, go in peace. I say to the backslider who comes back to Jesus, go in peace. I say to the person with the wicked past who has the blood of Jesus, watch them clean. Go in peace. I say to the person who struggles with insecurities, be secure in Jesus and go in peace. I say to the person challenged with anger issues, stop being angry and go in peace. I say to the person who has difficulty in their body, challenging their body, be healed and go peace. In peace. I say to the per- person who has trouble finding work, let the Lord supply your need and go in peace. I say to the person who lacks direction, let the Holy Spirit guide your life and go in peace. Let us go in peace to our homes, to our jobs, to our business, to our church, shopping, vacation, church, wherever you go, go in peace. In fact, help me minister to about three or four people, five, three or four people, tell them, go in peace, go in peace. Don't you let the enemy take you from peace, but go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. Hey, I know you're going through, but go in peace. I know you're challenging your body, but go in peace. I know it feel like you ain't gonna make it, but go in peace. I know they tell you you ain't gonna give it to you, but go in peace. I know you applied for it, and they told you no, but go in peace. I know the lawyer said you weren't going to make it, but go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. peace. Because God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you.
1: We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give text GIVE to the number seven seven zero six nine two 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 five. 692 2225 that's 770 692 Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road. In Villarica, Georgia, visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember: without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.